I feel hey a guys. Oh. <laughs> you feel a little fatigue? Yeah. We should we should plan our intros better. We I was about to start should. talking and then you start talking and then there's a moment where we just stare at each other, see who's gonna talk first. Or but I it just works talk out. over you. you know, Why are you feeling it. fatigued, Laura? You know, I just feel a little like I'm uh, tired of being nice. I feel, I feel like that's all the time, but <laughs> hey, I, I guess that goes into today's topic. That's that's mo- most of the time. Give me give me at that's least like ten percent. <laughs> like, I'll give you ten percent. No, the other ninety is questionable. It, it is. It is definitely. But definitely, if you talk to my husband, it's, it's questionable. He says it's a ginger in me. <laughs> but um, with that, we were kind of talking about today uh, compassion fatigue. Um, so, yeah, I'm ready to get into it. You are. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken and Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right, so let's get into it. So first thing I want to say is uh, when Joe joined me for a couple episodes while Laura was on her vacation, Joe did mention compassion fatigue when I was talking to him and how it's impacted him. So if you want to hear his story and his side of things for compassion fatigue, be sure to listen to those episodes a little bit back. But Laura and I are going to talk a little bit more and dedicate an episode to it because it is something other than just like it's not a complete burnout in the sense of being overworked you cannot you cannot be burnt out but still f- experience compassion fatigue they are mm-hmm. two separate different things so today we're going to be focusing on that compassion side of things but before we get started i wanted to discuss what a what compassion is and go from there so i have an article pulled up from physicaltherapy.com I will leave a link to this exact article. It's very, very extensive. So we're just going to touch on a little bit of things from this article. But if you are curious, you're more than welcome to read it yourself. But they have compassion listed as suffering with another, participating in suffering, fellow feeling, and sympathy. Another definition is the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. So one thing they compare it to is empathy and altruism. And the reason why they compare it to that is because compassion often involves an empathic response or an altruistic behavior. But compassion is an emotional response when we perceive suffering and it involves a real authentic desire to help. And the reason we bring this up is because in this field, we take on a lot of people's suffering. And we are there to help them to relieve that suffering. But what happens when it's too much? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and I think it all hits us at different times. Like, I personally, as a new grad, suffered from this a lot. Um, I feel like that's where I struggled the most because I, I, surprisingly, again, this might be a little surprisingly, but I'm really empathetic to people. Um, Right? That's the right word. Yeah, right. Take on a lot of their feelings. Yeah. 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 So I had a hard time because I would get compassion fatigue because of the fact that you're listening to these patients over and over and over again talk about, you know, and okay, it might be different patients, but it's constant like pain, not feeling good, miserable, 
life's not going well because they're in pain and like it's just constant and when you get that kind of negativity around and you want to help out you take on a lot of those feelings it's really hard not to fully absorb that and take it on yourself and so I think that's sometimes how compassion fatigue a lot of the times can start is because of the fact that we don't have the right skills in place to necessarily kind of separate having empathy for people but not taking on their actual problems emotionally too if that makes sense I agree and that's the thing like we we do take on a lot of that a lot of people do bring in those mm-hmm. negative emotions and I would say it's normal to feel what they're feeling so like what you're saying is like that em- yeah that empathy it, and I feel like that's normal I feel like a lot of us are in this field because of that we do feel other people's emotions we care for them and we want to help them get better yeah but the thing about it the the bad side I suppose is that sometimes it can happen too much and like Laura yeah. said that we're going to discuss a little bit later about techniques in order to avoid compassion fatigue but in the article they do define compassion fatigue so I'll get into that Laura if you don't have hook up you no, go go you for that okay. so compassion fatigue is like a unique form of burnout that affects individuals in caregiving roles so it's a condition characterized by emotional and physical exhaustion leading to a diminished ability to empathize or feel compassion for others often described as a negative cost of caring yeah so again this is all from the article um you're more, more than welcome to read it but i am reading straight from it and that's what it is so because we are in this constant state of feeling empathy it gets to the point where we just stop caring mm-hmm. and joe described that when he was working with his patients that this, this does happen it's not burnout in the physical sense like laura and i both experienced burnout at our last place of employment and compassion fatigue is different yeah it's more the the feeling side of things i can't i will say this compassion fatigue will happen usually before burnout of course um but it can contribute to a full burnout of the field. So it's definitely something that if you recognize is happening to work on right away because the longer you let that go, it's going to start, you know, infiltrating a lot of other areas. And then there's a lot of other things that can happen and it can be one of the causes of heading to burnout in the long run. So definitely just kind of keep that in mind. I do agree. I think it would come before burnout. Yeah, it's not the same, but it definitely compassion fatigue can lead to lead to burnout if it not if not addressed addressed. So, and they do have a couple stages and almost symptoms, I suppose, mm-hmm. of what compassion fatigue would feel like. Um, just to kind of quickly go over those, so like mood swings, restlessness, irritability, oversensitivity, anxiety. Um, excess use of substances, depression, anger, and resentment. And I feel like a lot of these do kind of go hand in hand with burnout. Yeah. I feel like with burnout, like you're definitely very irritable, you're restless, I'm sure anxious, you can get depressed. And like I've known people that have experienced these symptoms with just regular burnout. And I agree with what you said. I feel like compassion fatigue would usually come before the burnout. So I feel like if you're burnt out, like you're done, done. Like you don't want to yeah. do anything. I feel like you can still work with compassion fatigue, 
yeah, your you can have, I feel like quality you of have, care might be a little different. You can have just I, compassion fatigue and not have burnout. But I don't think really you could have burnout without having compassion fatigue. Yeah, because I think burnout's like I think the complete red line you maxed out. Of everything. Like there's a lot more that also comes involved where it's a lot of other things I think coming. It's not just the compassion. You're just over the job. <laughs> With burnout. So, but I think that's part of it um, within burnout. But the compassion fatigue, you're right. Like, I definitely, like, for myself, what I've experienced is I've experienced the kind of depression that comes along with it, like never feeling happy because, again, I take on a lot of the energy around me and kind of people's feelings around me. And for a while, I was constantly seeing, honestly, Debbie Downers. And they come in, everything was negative, and it was one right after another, right after another, right after another. So I never felt like I got that break. My soul never felt like it got that break of being able to be around someone happy. So I felt depressed, um, which led to a lot of anxiety of not wanting to go into work again just to feel that feeling again. And then also just, again, the lack of like, okay, well, I'm going to because I feel like this, I just don't care. I don't want to feel anything at all. I'm not going to care at all. And so it kind of all works a little hand in hand. I have been very fortunate. I have never dealt with substance abuse. Um, I, it's, I've never gone to pills. I've never even gone to the bottle of alcohol or anything like that. Um, and I'm not saying like it's bad. If you have a rough day, you, you can't can't go to having a drink or something like that. Like, by no, no means I'm saying that, but it's definitely when they're talking about that substance abuse, they're going, you're constantly going there to alleviate the symptoms that you're having from compassion fatigue. And it's constant and you're using that as your mask. Same with the pain medications or other substances too. So I've been fortunate. I've never felt those, but I, I have known people who have gone that way and doesn't doesn't work out usually very well. So. Uh, and I agree. I same. Like I know people that have gone that route, and I think the other thing too is you you can also notice it in other people when they're mm-hmm. also just kind of getting to that point. And we're about to go over some management tips according to the yeah. article that you can do. But I think it's also good to kind of be aware and realize it when someone is kind of headed down that way, so you can kind of. Offer a helping hand in whatever way you can. Yeah. I know sometimes it's easier. Yeah, it could be swapping a patient. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, Everybody's got their own clients, patients, and you got to kind of just roll with the punches sometimes. But sometimes it it does become too much is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I will say this. Like if you're experiencing it, someone else's experience it, don't try to take on theirs when you're already kind of in a tough spot as you are because you don't want that to be the thing that breaks your back, uh, breaks your spirit. If anything, that's when you really definitely need to speak up. And again, we'll kinda, we're going to head down that route of kind of different techniques. I have one that I found that I really like. It might kind of overlap with Ken's a little bit, um, but both of us kind of found techniques that we both like for these. Do you want to go first, Ken, or shall I? Shall I? Well, it depends. How many do you have? Um, mine spells out fatigue. I have That's too many letters. One, two, so seven, three, four, five, six. Kind of like seven. 
Well, watch it. I mean, like so we can we can alternate. And well, let's mine see what spells happens. literally out fatigue, so that's kind of why I like it. Well, I guess I would ruin your fatigue, and yours was probably yes. easier to remember than mine. Let's see. Does mine so, spell anything cool? Mm, Skimme. <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking parcel tongue. Hey, if you got that reference, I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> little, <laughs> little. Uh, nerds. My heart happy right there. <laughs> but, I can't all right, help so it. I am a huge We'll start with. Yeah, same here. Um, we'll start mouth? with mine. Mine literally parcel tongue. Yeah. yeah. Parcel mouth, parcel tongue. Parcel. I think it goes both ways. But um, mine literally spells out fatigue, so it kind of makes it a little easier to remember. So when you're feeling compassion fatigue, think about literally fatigue. First one is focus. So F is for focus. When you need a minute to recenter your thoughts, do it to help keep your mind in your clear in, in a clear space. Okay, so take those seconds. Focus on really what you're trying to achieve, what you're learning what you need to do in the moment and clear out all the other negative thoughts that might be coming in or not even negative thoughts, but thoughts that are just rushing in that shouldn't be there at that point. They, they might not necessarily be bad, but that's, that's what they are. A is for adjust. When you need help, ask for it so you can set a level. Okay. So you can kind of ease in. You have, um, time to kind of adjust to things. You're not overwhelmed. You're not going past your level of what you can't handle. Um, T is for talking. Express yourself. Can be in a positive outlet to protect your mental health, or it can even be smashing some other things. With talking to some people, though, so that way you're not all internalizing everything that's going on. A lot of times I think that does happen when we're doing this job. We take on a lot and we internalize a lot. We don't talk about it. We don't get it out there. We don't speak about it. So talking to someone definitely can help whether they're in the field with you and they understand or sometimes even just getting it out to someone who's not in the field sometimes just can help because it just helps release it. Um, Eyes for inspire. Reach back to when you first got into the healthcare fields. And what led you to going into it? So why are you there? Pretty much. Um, remember why you're doing this. So that's inspire. G is for gauge. Take things as they come and identify when you hit a limit so you can ask for help. So again, that's one that's, I think, hard because we have to learn that. Um, we have to figure out, like, okay, where is my, my point? And where as a are you grad, redlining? Yeah, as a new grad, that can be really tough because you kind of almost pass it and then you're like, crap, I, I'm getting, you already start to get into that ca compassion fatigue. But definitely check in on yourself and be like, okay, am I feeling a little bit too much? Do I, am I taking on too much? Is this getting to me in some way? Um, if you start to get irritable, even with just maybe one patient because they're always negative coming in, maybe pass them on for a day. Ask for that help. Talk to someone about it and just be like, hey, this person is just always negative. I, I feel like they're drowning, taking me down. I just I get really negative feelings when they come in because I'm just so tired of the negativity they have. Do you, you know, do you mind taking them for the next couple sessions or can we flip flop with someone um, that goes back to that talking? You is for unpack when you get home, find ways to naturally 
to, or sorry, to nurture your mental health by reflecting on your emotions. So same thing, kind of like I was talking about with the gauge, look in and be like, okay, how am I doing? You know, take in that, unpack everything. How did today go? And then set it aside. Don't dwell on it though. That's what I'm, I'm adding that and don't dwell on to it. And then this is one of my favorite ones. E is for exhale. You can't do everything yourself, but you can do your best. So strive for that and breathe. Remember, it's okay that we can't take everything on. And breathing and calming your system down can make a world of difference. So take a breather. When you feel so overwhelmed by everything, take in a deep breath, exhale, and then taking kind of go into these next steps too of just reflecting, talking, unpacking it all, gauge where you're at. Um, So that's kind of mine. So again, it's fatigue um, and kind of keep that in mind. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, A lot of mine do kind of go similar to yours. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. mine don't spell anything cool, but (laughs) I'll kind of quickly go over mine and you'll kind of see some of the repeats. Um, but the kind of the main overview is just focusing on health mm-hmm. and self-care routines in a way. Um, so we have, they talk about stress-busting foods. So talking about mm-hmm. oranges, spinach, fatty fish, black tea, pistachios, which I'm allergic to. Darn. But you're so delicious. Avocados, almonds, veggies, and milk. I did not know milk was a stress-busting food. I didn't know that either, but you know what? It makes it makes so much sense for my childhood. Loved milk. So you also have taking care of self-care daily routines, so kind of creating a schedule for yourself. Um, they have the big five, which is adequate sleep, healthy nutrition, physical activity, relaxation, and socialization, mm-hmm. or socializing, I guess. Um, and then including five minutes in the morning for a morning uh, uh, body assessment tension and mental worries so kind of being more aware of kind of where you're at you have hydration uh, movement is powerful kind of going back into the self-care routine so make sure you're drinking water make sure you're getting some exercise in um, says Hippocrates once said if you're in a bad mood go for a walk and if you're still in a bad mood go for another walk <laughs> uh, they have keep your immune immune system strong so they kind of have mm-hmm. a list of things you should do, like wash your hands, sleep, eat well, stay hydrated. First of all, I really air. hope y'all are washing your hands. I mean. In this field. <laughs> I hope so, but you never know. I hope so. <laughs> uh, sleeping, practicing relaxation techniques. You touched on that as well. So breathing exercises, visual, visualization exercises. Jeez, I just can't talk mm-hmm. today. It's okay. Um, and then you have social wellness checklist. So make sure you're making connections, taking care of yourself, building healthy relationships, and hope. Yeah. And I think that last one, hope, is a big key because a lot of the times with compassion fatigue, it almost feels like all hope is just gone, that you just can't do anything right, that, you know, patients aren't feeling any better, and you just get so tired of caring that all hope is just gone. Um so definitely, I think that that is a big factor. And I liked all those. Like, again, if you're not feeling 100, it's really hard to help other people. And I'm not saying every day is going to be perfect. I wish 
I so wish that was the case. You're going to have some rough days. And I wouldn't necessarily say a rough day's compassion fatigue. Now, these are techniques, though, that can help you prevent to get to fat, uh, compassion fatigue. Because if you continue to just have those rough days over and over and over again, it can lead to compassion fatigue. So these are all great techniques, um, you know, whether you use the fatigue or honestly, some of the ones I love Ken mentioning in there, the exercise, keeping your a routine for yourself. Um, those all are definitely very beneficial and helpful. And then the last thing I had was a little PTA story about compassion fatigue. Um, but before I get into that, Laura, did you have anything else? As far as our well, I was lists just trying to and... think, um, in general, what did I do when I got compassion fatigue? And honestly, for me, what it came down to was talking it out. Again, a lot of breathing, a lot of taking it one day at a time to come back from it. Um, learning what my limit was was a big thing, and it's tough because sometimes you don't know until you're there. Hopefully, you can catch it beforehand if you're self-checking. Um, but it is tough at, to come back from, but it's definitely possible to come back from. And sometimes that might mean, hey, I need to just take a, a vacation day, just kind of have a day to myself. It might mean, hey, let me talk it out with someone or, hey, let me just switch my schedule around a little bit with patience if if possible. Um, so those are all kind of different ways that like I used to get back from compassion fatigue. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. There's definitely some people who still get me. Um, definitely if you have a, a bond in um, everybody, you know, there's always sometimes a patient that you connect with a little bit more on a personal level just because of the fact that you guys maybe have gone through similar stuff in life. And so those ones are challenging also because you see a lot of either yourself or you really just resonate with them. And so... Um, you know, making sure, though, that you keep up your, your own personal boundaries and make sure you take care of yourself. Because, again, it's hard to take care of yourself when you can't take care or hard to take care of others when you can't take care of yourself. It's the same Very thing as like when you're on it. Yeah. When you're on an airplane, they always tell you to put your oxygen mask on first and then assist other people. Because if you're passed out, you can't help no one. So good point. That's just kind of what I think about it. But I think just they, my only the thought. last flight I was on, they said, pick your favorite child and start with them and then go to the next one. They're like, when the oxygen, they're like, when the oxygen mask deploy, put on your face mask first and then pick your favorite child and then do theirs. I was like, savage. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say for me, the biggest one for me, I think, is having an activity or hobby outside of work. And the reason why I like that one so much is because it lets me turn off my brain about anything work-related. Um, yeah. So I, wa I play a lot of video games. I play a lot of pickleball. So I oh, get pickle. just something that's just distracting and I don't pay attention to work. I can just unwind. That way I'm mm -hmm. refreshed for the next day. And my boss does the same thing. I think whenever we have a really hard day, the first thing he does is like, hey, you want to go play pickleball today? I just need to get some frustration out and it's his way of coping he just bothering yep <laughs> he sees an overhead slam and he's just like that's what i'm picturing and then just puts it away mm -hmm. um but i think having something outside of work is super important and i feel like that helps both with compassion fatigue and just burnout 
And like kind of we said at the beginning of the episode, that definitely leads from one to another. At least we think so. Maybe some people can experience straight burnout without ever experiencing compassion fatigue. I think it would be difficult to be burnt out prior to also feeling compassion fatigue. Because I think when you're burnt out, like you're done, done. Yeah, you're not doing anything else. You're checked out. Yeah, um, I'm with you. But that's probably my favorite one. And I would say, like, me and Ken are very fortunate on uh, each other's friendship that both of us work in the same field. We're close friends in general. And so a lot of times we can just, you know, get out maybe a frustrating patient and talk about it. And the other one can be like, oh, I get that. And then you're just done. We can empathize you're, you're on kinda, each other. Yeah, we kind of let it out and. Both of us can vent to each other and understand, too. So, again, having a person that you can do that with, it doesn't have to be in the same field. I vent to my husband sometimes, and he's in a different field. But just having that person can definitely help. So, but right, story well, time. To, um, to wrap up this episode, we'll go over Michael's story here. Um, I actually haven't read all of this, so we're about to go through this together. You ready? Mm-hmm. So, Michael's, Michael had been a dedicated PTA for several years, passionate about helping patients recover from injuries and improve their mobility. He found immense satisfaction in witnessing his patients' progress, celebrating each small victory along the way. Michael worked in a rehabilitation center where he encountered patients from recovering from various injuries and conditions. Over time, Michael noticed an increasing emotional toll from the challenges he, his patients faced. He worked with clients who were struggling, not just physically, but emotionally as well. He frequently engaged with patients who had sustained several in severe injuries and their emotional distress took a toll on him. He often found himself feeling emotionally drained after intense sessions and struggling to separate his emotions from work. You know, I feel like that's a big one, just trying to... Yep. Just feeling those emotions. And Been sometimes there. you'll have patients that are just a lot more than others. Mm -hmm. Gradually, Michael's job satisfaction started to dwindle. He experienced a growing sense of emotional exhaustion, and his high energy for the job became, began to wane. He found it harder to celebrate his patients' progress, feeling increasingly detached and less enthusiastic about their achievements. In his personal life, Michael's emotional state began to impact his interactions. He found himself more irritable and fatigued. He frequently had trouble sleeping, often plagued by thoughts of his patients' struggles and the stress of work, even on his days off. The accumulating stress began to impact his relationships, causing tension at home. And unfortunately, that can happen. It's just kind of like an ongoing cycle cycle just builds on one another recognizing these symptoms michael began seeking guidance from mentors and colleagues he was encouraged to practice self-care strategies was offered counseling support and advice to engage in stress relief activities however despite these efforts michael continued to feel emotionally drained and disconnected from work faced with his ongoing emotional fatigue michael realized that he needed a change he chose to explore opportunities in a different area of physical therapy that was less emotionally taxing considering roles that align better with his emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it says, this scenario highlights a toll that constant exposure to emotional demanding situations can take on a PTA. It showcases the gradual emotional detachment and exhaustion that leads to an individual reevaluating their career to protect their mental health and emotional health. Which is totally okay to do. I agree, and I think that's one we didn't touch on. Yeah, we didn't, I agree. Is changing your setting. Yeah. Um, just because I think that would just be more specific to physical therapy. Going from inpatient to outpatient to a SNF to home health, they all have their different 
severity levels. They have their different patient populations. They have different hours, case loads. Like, that's all different. So I do agree with the end of this where I don't think that's unlikely that if you find it hard to be in a certain setting to change your setting and then find something that just better suits you. And we've talked about this several times where some people do thrive in high volume areas and some people don't. Some people like to be super busy, always doing something, and others just find that way too overwhelming. We've had several guest speakers on that went towards like home health and acutes because they can't and don't want to handle the volume that outpatient brings. Laura and I both left. Yeah, and then we both left a clinic that we saw 30 patients a day to now at 12 to 15 just because we find that a little bit more manageable, at least more than me and you, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I I agree. Like, I look back at, like, my home health, or not home health, but my stud and inpatient of working there, and I look at one of the reasons I was like, inpatient's not for me is because the negativity by patients always wanting to refuse physical therapy, and it just, that really kind of irked me, bothered me, and... um. It was just something, again, I didn't want to fully be around because, again, that negativity, I, I learned my, at that point, I had learned where my gauge was, and I learned that would push me over the edge, and that was not meant for me, and I prefer outpatient where if they don't want to do it, they're just not going to show up, so. True. Um, yeah, so, again, it just depends on each person, each of us are individuals. And just because exactly a setting doesn't feel right does not mean the field is completely wrong for you. It just might be the setting. So I think that was a great point that they touched on there. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap this episode up. Uh, If you guys have any thoughts or comments, be be sure to leave those in the Instagram post. Email us, contact us, whatever you'd like. Again, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate everybody who does, especially if you made it this far because... You know, been a while now. And we hope you guys enjoy the holidays. Um, and we'll catch you guys. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye.